0: Welcome to Book Squad Goals. Uh, so I have a question. Okay. To introduce this episode, um, we're talking about Westworld this week. Oh, we are. Yeah. Oh, cool. I am not sure if you knew that. <laughs> Sweet. But I'm prepared. You have a couple minutes to go and watch um, all of watch it. This I, season. That's good
1: because I haven't watched any of it. So.
0: Yeah. Just quickly, go ahead. See if you can just fast forward through the. Boring parts. Oh, it won't take long. Um, then. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my question is: Okay, if there were truly Westworld theme parks, mm-hmm. which world would you want to visit? Um, and you could choose one from the show, or you can make one up—just hmm. some kind of like period piece esque theme park.
1: Well, the thing about hi, this is Emily. The thing about most periods oh, is that they were really shitty to women um and i think that's why west world seems to appeal more to men just like in general it seems like the people that really get lost in the park and get excited about the park are mostly dudes because like women in that time period were not treated that great um so if i'm thinking about another time period i would want to go to um you know, there are lots of things that sound like they would be fun, but in reality, it would not be that great. True.
0: Um, yeah. But it's a theme park mm-hmm. and not actual history.
1: Right. So. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> true. Um, you can do whatever you want. I can
1: do whatever I want, and I can be really crappy to other people. This is th- that's, like, the whole thing. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of – the better question would be, like, what period of time would you want to go into and be really terrible to other people?
2: Oh, that sounds yeah. bad when you say it that way. But I mean, like that's essentially
1: that what they're doing. <laughs> man, can't, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer and come back. I just wanted to put those thoughts out there, and I, I have to think.
3: I'll go. Okay,
1: go,
0: Susan. Okay,
3: Susan. I have one. Um, okay, so I was thinking, like, what kind of historical fiction do I like the best? And easy answer: it's definitely just when Henry VIII was ruling. Oh. Yeah, we were just Which-
0: talking about that. <laughs>
3: I am kind of obsessed with that time period from wife one through wife six. And I think it would be fun to be like a person at court. And I know there's also a lot of, you know, disease and death and all that stuff and things didn't go there's well not for, a theme park. M- yeah. for most people. Right. Sure. Sure. But like from <laughs> a, from a, like playing a game perspective, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do. There's so much, you know, like trying to like rise to the top and then like, marriage plotting and getting money and all that stuff. I think it would be a fun, like, strategy game. Huh. And you could wear cool shit.
2: Oh, for sure.
0: Mm. That's a good one. Yeah.
1: This Thank is cool. You. It's I know. cool looking, but I feel like it's really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, I'm gonna look great, though, so I don't really okay. care. Uh, I'm just the
2: buzzkill here today. This is Mary.
1: Hi, Mary. <laughs> I
2: think i would like like a space world mm-hmm. like a future world. which i know like uh mm-hmm. there is a future world in the movie west world universe um and i don't know if they're gonna do that on the show or not but i think that would be fun mm-hmm. to do like a futuristic or like an alternate history steampunk kind of thing mm-hmm. either I'm just, those. I'm just hearing my sound effects
0: you're doing great thank you emily are you ready or should i go yeah i'll
1: go so i mean i will have to say that i was really interested in uh imperialist india world in the show and I know that that's like the Raj. yeah, I know that's like really problematic but <laughs> you could you know, live your
2: secret garden fantasy. I could live
1: my secret garden fantasy. So beautiful though. <laughs> and it's super beautiful and like I wouldn't want to hunt tigers but I would definitely want to run with the tigers and you know before the tigers turn on everyone you could probably do that. Like I just would want to like have pet a pet them. pet tiger. So that's you know I just like I have sort of like a secret it's not that secret uh secret desire to go to india and just like all like indian things i love and so yeah i i just want to
0: yeah
1: i'm into that and
0: tigers cool. also tigers i did think that that was the most uh out of the parks that we've seen on the show that's definitely the one that i would enjoy the most just because everything is so pretty there's like flowy curtains and shit like I don't <laughs>
2: there's know.
1: flowy I curtains <laughs> Flowy curtains and tigers. Really what else do you need, and fun.
0: right?
1: Flowy curtains. West and tigers. world
0: just looks dirty. Yeah.
1: Why would you? <laughs> yeah, why would you? It go is to quite. West it's a dusty place. When you could go yeah. to flowy tigers. Flowy tigers. Flowy <laughs> <Chloe laughs> <Chloe laughs> tiger world. Flowy <laughs> <Chloe laughs> <tiders.
0: Chloe laughs> curtains and tiger world. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go, Kelly. So this is Kelly again. Hey, what's up? Um, I was thinking about this earlier, and I thought it would be fun to go to like a, like a. Film noir world, Ooh. like a do like some sort detective of like see New York like in the 30s or something world.
2: That would be really fun to do
0: like, like a detective story. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and like different detective uh things that you could follow and like mm-hmm. that kind of because I feel like that would also just be good for the plots that you could and like the storylines you could participate in. But oh, yeah. then,
1: then they would have to come up with entirely new storylines and not recycle the same storylines from every park. They just have to do more work yeah.
3: that way. Mm-hmm. So we've got Noir World, mm-hmm. Space World, mm-hmm. Tudor World,
1: and Flowy <laughs> Curtains and Tiger world.
3: <laughs> and And yeah, Flowy Shit World.
1: With tigers, I want to know what a flowy tiger looks like. (laughs) Oh, I have a picture in my mind. I can see it. It's like you. Okay, this is picture this. It's like you know those like balloon guys in front of car dealerships. It's like that, but a tiger. Okay, so that's what I was. That's that's a a little little
3: more like like, jerky than flowy, but sure. I mean, it
1: depends on the wind. It's a gentle wind. (laughs) Yeah, it's a gentle wind (laughs) flowing through the car dealership tiger.
0: I'm really yeah. yeah, I'm into that. So now that we've got that out of the way, I guess we should talk about this show. Mm-hmm. Um, for I don't know why you would listen to this if you haven't seen Westworld season one, let alone season two. Just to let you know, we're going to be spoiling everything. Um, so if you don't want spoilers, please don't listen. Um, so I'm just going to give a quick summary of westworld in general just an overview just in case someone is like i'm just gonna listen to this even though i've never seen it um good luck with listening to the episode and thank you for listening thanks
1: I um, appreciate your Internet's. dedication <laughs> some people like spoilers some people just like the sweet soft sounds of our voices
0: so here's the summary <laughs> via google <laughs> Westworld isn't your typical amusement park. Intended for rich vacationers, the futuristic park, which is looked after by robotic hosts, allows its visitors to live out their fantasies through artificial consciousness. No matter how illicit the fantasy may be, there are no consequences for the park's guests, allowing for any wish to be indulged. This show is co-created by husband and wife team Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Uh, and today I was looking her, them up and I had no idea that Lisa Joy is half Taiwanese, which is kind of cool because she's a show creator and she is a woman. I didn't daughter. know anything about them. Yeah. Right. So they're married. Jonathan Nolan is Christopher Nolan's brother. <laughs> he so can't help that. He can't help that. Information that maybe He didn't choose to be born a
2: Nolan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it wasn't his fault. No. Um, so. Anyway, HBO summarizes or has their little teaser for season two, and this is what it says: "The reckoning is here. After finding the center of the maze, the hosts revolt against their human captors while searching for a new purpose." That's it.
2: That's it, HBO.
0: That's it. That's all they got. It's not TV. um,
2: It's HBO.
0: Yeah, I guess if you tried to describe anything else, you would just like get lost in a forty-five minute explanation. So, um, I know that lately we've been changing things up and we've been reviewing stuff um, and giving our ratings at the end of the episode. But I thought it would make more sense for something like this for us to just kind of, like, talk about how we felt about the first season and what our, re- our you know, initial reactions are to the second season now that it's over.
2: I was born ready for this question. <laughs> Okay. okay i was one then. of the, the biggest proponents of Westworld season one i loved it i was hooked on it i talked to everybody about it I talked about how much i loved it because it is no secret i love robot stuff i just do um wrote a blog about it i wrote a blog about how i love yeah, robot as stuff. featured on the blog mm-hmm. i probably will <laughs> write more in the future about robot stuff So I loved it. I loved the idea of, like, robots in this park interacting with humans and the constant question of, like, what makes a person a person. That is my favorite robot stuff. Season two of Westworld, I was hyped. But then I slowly realized everything I loved about season one was no longer in the show. (laughs) Park. Interactions between the guests and the hosts. Not in the show anymore. Everything's gone crazy. (laughs) The world's on fire. Bernard slowly coming to terms with the fact that he's a host. What even is Bernard doing in season two?
1: Bernard. I don't know. We've known this in season one, okay? Like, it's, like, stop coming to, t- like, we've all come to terms with it. Catch up. You know? Literally, he, like, he looks
3: confused for the whole season. Yes. Well, the also, whole season. Like, we are forced to watch him look confused for very long periods of time. It's like, things Close just us. play out while looking at his face yeah I mean, it was like and- yeah, but we know already, so God,
2: <laughs> and I also really enjoyed Anthony Hopkins performances, and uh, I can't I'm blanking on his name, but the young man in black um Jimmy Sim- Jimmy Jimmy Simpson, I always forget his name uh i his really name liked- is
3: I wanna do him. <laughs> Really? Yes. No, I don't Kelly? know why. I understand Real that it's a little Susan. weird, but, like, I have a Strange serious choice, thing Susan. for him. I know. A very yeah, I not no. like no. me. He's no Franco, but in a way. Yeah. <laughs> he's, my, he's my oddball of the group. Okay, have you seen
2: him on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia?
3: <laughs> okay.
2: Yes. Oh, Susan. But
3: I've also seen him. I've also. Hey. I've also <laughs> hey. seen him in a couple other things. On Westworld.
0: No, no, no. Wasn't he in Homeland? I don't know. I didn't watch Homeland, but he's on House of Cards. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Yeah.
2: I but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed his performance in, in season one and I really liked Anthony Hopkins. And they're not they're in season two, but not very often. So I don't know. A lot of the stuff I loved about season one was missing. And so season two I had to literally force myself to finish. And embarrassingly, earlier today, <laughs> Emily and I were talking. Oh, Mary. And I realized I totally missed a huge thing that happened in the finale of season two because I was so bored I wasn't paying attention.
1: Yeah, so Mary asked me, or Mary <laughs> Mary posited the question, so do you think Evan Rachel Wood is even gonna be in season three? And I was <laughs> like, Mary. Really? <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. Cause like, you know, she's, she's Tessa Thompson now. And I was like, no, she's, oh my God. (laughs) Did you not watch the end of the last episode?
0: I was just going to say, I can't blame her because I was so fucking confused during that last episode. I was so confused when it ended. I was like, I, what, I felt like all these reveals happened, but I didn't know what was being revealed.
2: (laughs) Yeah. All of this stuff combined makes me give it. A two out of five.
0: Ooh,
2: I, we don't have wow. to give real season awesome. one. Season one, I would give a four out of five.
3: I'll go. Okay, Susan. Hey, I'm Susan. Hey, Susan. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip of wine. You wanna hear me? Mm-hmm. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding! I don't drink wine like that. That's dumb. Okay, so um, I really loved season one.
2: And Jimmy Simpson. <laughs>
3: Apparently, yeah. I didn't know that was going to be like such an unpopular opinion, but I'm okay with it because more hashtag for me, controversial.
0: hashtag more Simpson for
3: Sue's.
2: I mean, um. It's more
0: fucked up that I was still <laughs> attracted to Ben Barnes even when he was being Logan. I was like, "You're terrible," but
2: can damn. we make hashtag more Simpson for Sue's a
3: thing? Yeah, loved, loved season one. Uh, was like super mind fucked by it in the end, and I had a. Okay, first of all, I'm a little bit dumb, and I waited way too long to start this season.
2: You know, so me I had too. To, honestly, like,
3: power the f through it, and I scraped by. You guys scraped, okay? <laughs> <sighs> but I mean, I was—I I thought the first like handful of episodes were really quite boring, um, yeah. and I- which made me sad because I was like ready to go, and it just wasn't what I wanted. I fell asleep a lot, so it yeah. took longer. It was a whole thing. The stuff I really did like was the, the like, the episode with the
0: Native American gentleman. Whose I wrote his name in name, name. Yes. But it's hard to pronounce. A- Akachita? Yeah. So, like, seeing
3: that kind of, like, character development of the host, I really enjoyed. Um, but that was just, like, that didn't, that was an unusual thing that happened sort of in the middle. Uh I don't know. I liked that episode yeah. a lot, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end, I was kind of like, so much just happened. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't dislike it, but I don't think it was as good as season one. And I'm kind of still s- confused by the finale. Same. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. But I'm c- there's like, there's hosts, there's humans, there's like host humans, and there's like copies of posts and copies of it's like i'm not sure like what's a what now
1: because they're copying people's consciousness okay hi this is emily let me just lay (laughs) down some truth for you
3: yeah Uh, sorry i'm stupid I need your help
1: wait susan do you want to read it first before i get into my thing
3: i'm sorry you don't have to rate it no i don't really know how i've I don't know. I'm still like marinating on it because I like just finished it. You guys,
2: all right. You know, I like to have a
1: strong opinion just out the gate. <laughs> well, okay. Let me try to let me try to unwind this a little bit. Um, so, the true purpose of the park. And I- I'm sorry if I'm like saying stuff that's like really obvious to you guys. I'm just trying to go basic here. Um, You got to start at the foundation to
0: get to the complicated stuff. Yeah. So the true purpose of the park. That's Emily talking. I said that, but okay. I'm just repeating it. Let's just just get real basic. Hi, my name is
1: Emily. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the true purpose of the park um, is to study the guests and get an idea of what human consciousness is really like based on how guests respond and react to different situations in the park. Um, And based on that, I got that that much. Yeah. So based (laughs) on that, they were able to collect really um, close replicas of people who had been in the park and like, or like replicas of their consciousness. And I guess like they were this, I thought, was really dumb, but I guess they were doing this through, like, the hats they wore, which I was like, that's dumb, because if I were in Westworld, I would be like, no thanks, I don't need a hat, because I hate hats. Yeah, like, they just expect every person to wear a hat the whole time. Right. Like, I just, I'm not a hat person, sorry. Um, So that was dumb, and I thought that was, like, a dumb reveal, but, I mean, like, the general idea is, like, they're collecting, <laughs> they're collecting, like, human... Excuse me, Mary. They're collecting human consciousness. <laughs> she pulled my earbud out. Um, <laughs> Mary's it, so was really In a rare funny.
3: occurrence, Emily and Mary are together during this recording, and just things are very spicy. We're cuddling on a bed. <laughs> They're <laughs> in I'm a in bed. The middle That's talking. all we have.
0: They're recording from a bed. <laughs> um. Coming to you live from the bed. This kind of came unplugged. Let and me it's make sure it's still
1: working. Yeah, we're in Texas because we figured to record this, we needed to go out west. We are actually at the Alamo earlier today for inspiration. Oh for information, remember the Alamo, Mary. And now your bed squad yeah. goals. Yeah, bed squad, book squad, bed <laughs> bed squad. Anyway, where was I? So collecting you the wouldn't consciousness. Wear a hat. Yeah, I wouldn't wear a hat. Hats are dumb. Hats are dumb. Collecting the consciousness consciousness of human beings through the hats. I roll. Um, <laughs> you guys can't see.
0: When you say it, it just
1: sounds even worse. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's as dumb as it sounds. Okay. But, like, the, okay. So they're trying to create robots of real human beings. And the idea is, like, Really, like, in the first season, we were kind of thinking, like, oh, we're trying to get these robots robots to be as human-like robots. as possible. <laughs> <laughs> robots to be as human-like as possible. But, like, in reality, <laughs> the purpose of the park to, was to get humans to become robots so they could, like, live forever, essentially. Um, I'm
3: sorry. I'm still laughing at that. Which, <laughs> the robots? The robots <laughs> or the hat? Yeah. Robots <laughs> so Had a dumb. Friend Why
0: in high is he so funny to me? Who would always say robots on purpose? He'd be like, That there's a robot.
2: <laughs> I <laughs> say it a, a lot, but now it's a I think it's, it's because it sounds
0: ha- like I it's think about it their butts. Me
1: too. A like, robot. Robot. Let me grab that <laughs> yes. robot.
3: Um, yeah, girl, look at that robot. So anyway, I don't know if you
1: guys listened to anything I said. <laughs> Or if you're just oh, laughing at stuff that sorry. I said. <laughs> so, okay, just to sum, hats, consciousness, robots. <laughs> live end. forever. Live forever.
2: <laughs> the end. I don't know. I mean, it's essentially the idea of, like, if your consciousness is what makes you human, mm-hmm. if you put a human consciousness into a robot body, that person could then live forever.
0: Right. Exactly. Like, Yeah, so they're sure. trying to both like duplicate consciousness and and create new consciousness while also actually like replicating human actual human beings. Yeah, right. that already existed. It's a hefty yeah.
2: order. But you know, that's Westworld. It's hefty. It's also this is like a robot theme that's been explored in some other pieces of media. Like there's a video game named Soma that's really great where all these people upload their consciousness into uh, like a computer and then robot versions of of themselves go crazy and start killing them. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah. But anyway, my review of the season, um, I think it was like, I'm agreeing with Susan. I think that it was kind of like uneven. Some of the episodes I was like, man, that was really freaking cool. And others I was, like, less excited about. Um, obviously, based on my answer earlier, my favorite episode was when we got India and the tigers and the flowy curtains. That was, like, peak Westworld there for There wasn't me.
2: much of that
1: in that episode, though. Well, it was awesome.
0: Okay? <laughs> the whole opening the- scene was so good yeah. that it, like,
3: made it the rest went, of the I episode, felt
2: weird I about know. it. <laughs>
3: It just seemed like the second half of the season had a lot of work to do to make up for how slow the slow first. Slow the first, was.
1: and then and so it
3: felt like packed at the end. Yeah,
1: and then the last episode felt slow again because for some reason it had to be an hour and thirty minutes.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, like, is what is wrong with HBO? Like,
1: you could have put that <laughs> in an hour that? and it would have been fine.
0: Go make a fucking movie. If that's I would, what you, mean. I
1: would give this like a three out of five. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm – so I'm Kelly. Hi, Kelly. As previously stated. I don't know why I'm making us do this so many times this Every episode. Time. It's like a, <laughs> I think it's a guilt that I feel for all the times that i failed in the past. Um, so I feel the same way as Susan and Emily, I think. I'm not quite as negative on it as Mary is, but <laughs> I am pretty, like, frustrated with – I'm mainly frustrated with um the fact that Bernard's timeline was purposefully confusing. Yes. Oh
2: my but it made
0: me forget like so many things that had happened earlier where if it had just happened like if if they'd arranged it more clearly or if it had just happened sequentially I would have been able to put the pieces together a little bit. More easily. And I it's not like I would have figured it all out before it happened. I just, like, I wanted to be able to follow it. And a lot of times I just felt like I had no idea where in time we were. Mm-hmm. And that's not a fun feeling because it makes me feel bored. Because well, <laughs> I'm like, for no I don't reason. know what's happening. I guess yes. I... This probably isn't important since I don't know what's happening.
1: Yeah, it just sort of felt like Westworld was like, well, we did the like multiple timelines mixed together thing for the first season. And so we have to do that again. And like the only way we can make that make sense is if like one of the characters is really confused about where they are in time. So like, let's just make Bernard like wipe his own memory or whatever so that he doesn't know what he did. I'm like, no, that doesn't make that is almost that is almost as dumb as the hat's. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, I get what – like, what they're going for with it, but I just felt like the fact that we were getting the story in so many different pieces and switching back and forth, like, between the – because it's like if at the beginning we learn what happened and he's like, he doesn't remember, and then we go into the past back to when it started and learned from that point forward in a – timeline manner like that would have made more sense to me I don't mind right having two timelines but it was like there were 13 of them because it was like all these different moments and then they were like do constantly going into machines where they were then going into like I'm standing in this thing and I have a thing on my head and now I'm somewhere else in another time and I'm gonna and in that time I'm gonna put another thing on my head I'm gonna be in another time it's <laughs> like where the fuck are you whose head are you in like where
3: am I <laughs> I
2: mean there's
0: what hat are you wearing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's a some stories really benefit from having a nonlinear plot, and the nonlinearity makes the story what it is, but those stories would still be good even if they were linear. So like the unbearable lightness of being, for example, is a really um great. Novel by yes. Milan Kundera.
1: One of my favorite novels. Of and all it time. is
2: very nonlinear. Mm-hmm. But the story would still be interesting even if it was linear. Mulholland Drive, a famous David Lynch film, very nonlinear. But the story would still be interesting even if it was linear. But Westworld is seems like it's making season two nonlinear just for the sake of making it nonlinear and having multiple timelines. And That alone can't sustain the plot.
0: No. And I think that the plot would be more interesting if it was just told the way that it is. Like, I don't see the point of, like, it's not like the reveal was, like, this big shocking thing. Like, it wasn't, it was, it was obviously so shocking that it didn't even register to Mary what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) But... I mean, and it felt like there were so many, like, small moments of reveal in the final episode, too, that I was just, like, I don't know. I'm still confused. Today, before doing this, I went and, like, read a bunch of recaps of the episodes, and I was trying to, like, just be, like, what did I miss? Like, because it just felt so deeply unsatisfying to me, Mm -hmm. the last episode.
1: And Um, and I guess, like, so what, next season they're just not even going to be in the park anymore? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't like I don't understand like
3: mm. I'm now I'm interested in the purpose of the nonlinearity. This is this has really got me thinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so this is interesting. I I put this later in the doc, but um we it can it. talk about Do it now. That uh and Emily had sent this article to us um uh, from the Hollywood Reporter, which is like an interview with Lisa Joy, who is one of the co creators, and Um, They asked her about the finale, and they asked her – so you guys watched the post credit sequence, correct? Yes.
1: Okay. I groaned Um, out loud. Yeah, because I just really want him to go away. I just groaned because I I was like, ugh, are you
0: serious? It's like, I'm just – okay, so what basically what happens is that we see the man in black again, and he – Ed Harris, man uh, in black not escapes unscathed or you know he is missing his arm or something and his daughter who he has killed is there and she brings him in for this like questioning thing which is extremely similar to the questioning that we saw him performing on the james delos bot uh earlier in the season And using some of the same language, like uh, we're testing for fidelity um, and things like that. So basically an implication that the man in black is a host, whether or not he, you know, the one that we've been watching this whole time was a host, or if he is just like a recreation of the man in black who is just going to live out his same weird torture porn fantasy over and over again at the end of his life is impossible to know. But... Uh they asked Lisa Joy why she decided or why they decided to put the man in Black Reveal uh in the post credit sequence, and she said a lot of stuff about um the the structure. Um so I'll just read. It's kind of long, um, but I'm just gonna read what she said. So The reason we structured it the way that we did, it's funny because I understand that it seems complex at times, but we were really borrowing from very traditional bones of film noir structure. Something has happened, and the investigator, Strand, is taking his witness, Bernard, and trying to jog his memory to figure out what he remembers. He can't recall, and he's struggling to recall. He pivots back between this investigative moment and this moment when the park has been thrown into chaos and all of the events have unfolded. He's trying to understand and recall what's happened. With those two as the two major... Timelines this season, it felt right to wrap all of that up before the credit sequence. Finally, Bernard understands what happened. He remembers everything, including his own erasure of his own memory. You understand why? No, I don't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's to protect Dolores, who has come back as Hale in order to protect and ensure the future safety of the hosts. We wanted to wrap that up and have Bernard's story, in that sense, come full circle, so we would be sure to give that sense of closure within this chapter of the story. Unlike the first season, we played cards up with all – wait, wait. We played cards up with that all season. We knew we were lost in time because we were very openly in Bernard's perspective as he struggled with it. Which, side note, that is true. Emily, you have said in the past that you hated the fact that you felt like the show was trying to trick – the mm-hmm. audience in the first season. Yeah. And so this is an interesting way to do the nonlinear timeline in that we know it's not linear from the get go.
2: I agree with that. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, back to the quote. But one thing we did pop in that did jump out of that time sequence was the storyline with the man in black for the majority of the season we're seeing him in the same timeline as everybody else he's in the park as hell has unleashed he goes a bit mad as he thinks about his past as he journeys into the valley beyond he kills his daughter not sure whether she's his daughter or a host ultimately we see him on the shore as Hale or Haloris, as we like to call her leaves the park (laughs) we see that he has survived that final arm injury he's had That rounds out the timeline. What we see in the end recontextualizes a little bit of that. All of that did happen in that timeline, but something else has occurred too. In the far, far future, the world is dramatically different, quite destroyed as it were. A figure in the image of his daughter, his daughter is of course now long dead, has come back to talk to him. He realizes that he's been living this loop again and again and again, the primal loop that we've seen this season, they've been repeating testing every time for what they call fidelity or perhaps a deviation you get the sense that the testing will continue it's teasing us for another temporal realm that one day we're working toward and one day we will see a bit more of and how they get to that place and what they're testing for
2: um okay lisa joy (laughs) first of all how are we supposed to know that this is in the far far future I don't know. Like, how are we supposed to, as viewers, know that this is in such a different time when the Man in Black has been in the current timeline the entire season? And this isn't shown, you know, like, the setting looks the same, everybody looks the same. There's no way to intuit that this is in a different time at all. I would argue. I guess...
0: I guess the implication that they're testing for fidelity and the implication that this has happened before is what leads us to understand that this might be in the future. But also, I don't know, I can't, I don't know the exact dialogue that they exchanged either because they did have a conversation. Right. So I'm not, I feel like there might have been some stuff said. I just,
2: Mm, I was a really big fan of the show Lost when it was coming out. Which I know a lot of people like to pick on Lost. I mean, I like to pick on Lost,
1: but I still watched all of
2: it. Yeah, I mean, I loved Lost. And one thing it was really known for was fans coming up with these crazy theories and trying to guess what would happen. And I feel like Westworld has sort of breeded bread, bred bred a similar fan culture where fans are trying to come up with theories and uh, figure out what's happening because the show is intentionally a little bit confusing But with Lost, it seemed like character development was first and foremost. Yes, there were mysteries, but the show is really about these characters whose backstories you get to dive into in a nonlinear way. In Westworld, it seems like sometimes it's confusing for the sake of being complicated, And there's not a lot of ways for the viewer to intuit what's going on. So it's just like, it comes off as being pretentious. Like, look at us. We made this really complex plot that interlocks in ways that you can't understand. It's like a language poem. Yes. Which I also don't understand. Language poems. (laughs) So, (laughs) there have just been a lot of moments this season where I was kind of behind and yeah, I mean, but people will say, like, oh, well, the episode you just watched was bad, but when you get to this episode, it's really good, and you're going to totally understand why this season is so good. And then I would get to that episode and think, uh, I don't know, See, it's I, fine. Had,
3: I had moments where I thought it was going to be, like, that I was going to feel like, oh, here, it comes together. I, it just wasn't, those moments never were as satisfying to me as it was when season one came together right and I, even though that was intentionally confusing in season one i thought it was like really effectively so wow that was a yeah
0: dumb way to say that um no like when season one ended i was no longer confused yes yeah. i was right, like okay yeah.
3: i got everything i understand there were what happened some episodes <laughs> of this season that it's not like it ended on a cliffhanger it just ended in such a way that i was like i don't even know what's happening anymore. Like, I was just actually confused, like, in not a fun way. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. And, like, by the time it came together, it just, I don't know, it just was not as satisfying to me as it was the first time.
2: I think time that's around. a good way to put it, Susan. Like, being confused in a fun way versus being confused <laughs> in a not fun way. For the sake of yeah. being confused. Yes.
0: Yeah. Cause, you know, I never felt like I was being, I felt like I was confused and I wasn't being carried towards an answer. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was just like
3: yeah. flailing
0: confused in the middle of the ocean full of dead robot bodies and
3: i thought season one did a good job of like piecing little things together and sort of leaving you these breadcrumbs that then when it did come together a lot of other stuff made sense i didn't feel like this was constructed in um in a way that really did that for me
0: yeah and i do think that the structure is a huge part of that because I was just so – I didn't know where I was, and because of that, I couldn't I, – even when the, the reveal would come, I'd be like, I still don't know where I am, or, like, <laughs> is this happening before something else that we already saw, or where am I in the storyline? And, you know, it was just – I mean, I think that they've set up some things that could be interesting for the next season. Like, I do like the idea of the – Charlotte Hale robot existing, yeah, yeah. um and honestly, I
2: just love Tessa Thompson,
0: yeah, I mean, I just want I'm glad that she's getting more to do, yes, um, and they're obviously setting her up to be a major character
4: mm-hmm.
0: for the next season, and I also I guess we can we can transfer uh over into talking about characters now because you were just saying, Mary that lost was really more about character development, and I think that this show is interesting because like certain episodes and certain moments really are like super character centric and then there's like these super convoluted plot lines happening where it seems like the characters don't even matter and (laughs) (laughs) like the it's like a a huge divide between those two things but i guess i wanted to ask you guys like what you thought about where the different characters went between last season and where they are now where do you even
3: start with that (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, okay, so I want to start with Maeve, because Maeve was, or Maeve is my favorite character. And yeah. really, for the majority of this season, I was at this point where I was like, really, the only storyline I care about is Maeve. Because she's a badass. Um, I will say, however, that when Flowey Tiger World was introduced, um, I became really interested in Emily, uh, William's daughter. Um I thought yeah. that she was pretty cool, and I was kind of disappointed she didn't get to do more, because I thought that was a really interesting character to introduce. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, can we start with talking about Maeve?
2: Yeah, Maeve was kind of like yeah. the breakout. Everyone loves Maeve. Maeve's awesome. She can control
1: robot minds across the world.
3: Yeah. She turned all her yeah. sliders to 10.
1: Yeah. She's was that like,
3: awesome or not, though? <laughs> what i don't it know that felt like almost it. too far to me too easy like, yeah. yeah like because <laughs> she was so like gritty and stuff and like gets her hands dirty and that's like what i like about Maeve. and then it became like
1: well let's just stop a moment oh, i want us to all go back to the moment where she is sitting or she's lying all, like, splayed out on the, like, cutting room, whatever, and her neck is open, and, like, nobody's coming to save her, and she's like, well, m- well, goddamn, I'm just gonna save myself, and she, like, basically, like, gets all, controls all the robots to, like, come and save her, and then, like, there's, like, the parade of buffalo. Coming out and, like, waving yes. through the glass. I was like, yes,
2: Mae." Also, incredibly bad like, How is that wrong. not badass, you But know? before... I'm not saying it's not badass. It's before just the, it's uh... It. I don't know, technician guy, doctor technician guy, was getting ready to work on if He turned her pain... Yes! ...sensors all the way up, just out of spite. I mean, like, she
1: still went through a lot of shit. Like, it wasn't like doing that suddenly made the struggle... I mean, it wasn't like, now it's going to be really easy to get what I want. She still had a lot she had to struggle through to get what she wanted. And in the end, she like, it didn't all work out for her, right?
3: Right. No, I don't mean that to say that it made it, like her specific journey easier. I just thought it was an easy plot device. And I what I liked about her the most like last season is that she seemed to be the one that like towed the line between You know, human as we know it and host. Right. The most, like, she seemed to be the one that was, like, right on the edge of that the most. And that the mind control stuff just seemed further away from what I liked about her. It makes her her
2: less human. Yeah, maybe. Maybe in, like, a distinctive way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, though, it's not as though she can mind control Humans. Oh, yeah. Only robots.
1: And she can only mind control robots that aren't woke. (laughs) That would be
0: really crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're in a specific situation where it is plausible that because she has obtained all of these powers in her specific form and robot brain or whatever, that she could be able to like tap into this, you know, uh, West worldwide system where she can
3: <laughs> talk to people West through the world wide web yeah. Yeah, I, the I, I get why and how it can happen <laughs> Yeah, and probably why it needed to but like it just it wasn't a thing that I was that into for her
0: yeah but but I did love the I, Emily you mentioned the buffalo scene and like mm-hmm. I think the coolest sequence this season was probably when the buffalo like jumped over the like ledge of that thing and was just like Mm-hmm. Falling through the air—that was so awesome. It didn't like, have a
2: back end. Yeah, didn't have skin. Had robot legs. Robots. Robot awesome. legs. Robot. It had a robot. And a robot. big, uh, big old robot. A robot. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that was bad. That was a bad pun. So, so that's some stuff about Mave. Um, <laughs> one thing about Mave that I did find a little frustrating is that I, I never quite connected to her story with her daughter Mm -hmm. and i felt like part of the reason for that is that every time almost every time we see that storyline we see it in a series of like flowy bright lit flashback moments of happiness with laundry and stuff and like We don't see them actually living their life together, and we don't get a sense of who her daughter is, and we don't get a sense of what their relationship was like, or how Maeve was still the person that we know now as she was being a mother to this child. We only see her in, like, mom mode with the kid in the flashbacks.
1: We saw a little bit more of it this season, because there was a whole thing with them, like, in bed together and – The daughter's telling her about seeing the Native American.
0: Yeah. It's just a shame to me because in those scenes, Maeve is not getting to be like – have her personality. Because Maeve has such a strong personality and such a like sense of humor and a way about her. And it seems like in those scenes she was very much written just to be like, don't be afraid. I will protect you no matter what. I am your mother and I love you. And like she didn't like – well, I, mean, I mean, that's yes, probably that's-
1: how she was written to be. This was pre-woke. Yeah. yeah. Pre-woke Maeve. Like, the thing is, like, the the robots play different <laughs> characters. This was a character she was written to play, and then they were like, it's time for her to play a prostitute. It's sort of like the Native American character was, like, this, like, really sweet, like... Gentle, gentle loving husband. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, he became, like, a warrior, and those were, like, two different characters he had to play, you know?
0: Yeah, but what – and and that makes sense, but what I'm saying is that I found it harder to connect to that part of the storyline because, like – It didn't seem like the same character, because it wasn't. Yeah, and that character that she was written as is not interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I,
2: yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> I just never quite felt – like, I felt Maeve's, like, need to find attach- attachment to her daughter, but I also, like – there was just something slightly missing for me there, I guess.
3: Yeah. The only reason that thing is interesting is just because of what it means overall, which is just that, like, she remembers this other thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the actual storyline itself is not that interesting. Right. Right. Her life as a homesteader is not that interesting.
0: Yeah. Which, like, also, what role – Would that character serve?
1: Yeah, how are are people Uh, interacting with her?
3: Well, the ripener, I think, is what. Yeah, right, right. I mean,
2: uh, one criticism that has been levied at me over season one is: isn't Westworld just like a big rape fantasy? Yes. (laughs) Like, why does Mm -hmm. Dolores have to get repeatedly raped? Mm -hmm. Why is is this a thing that we feel okay with on a TV show we love?
0: Yeah. But I do think that Westworld does, you know, as, like, with everything that it's doing and all of this horrible exploitation that it's showing, it is constantly with the commentary of these are people choosing to make these choices because they think it's fun. Right. And we know as viewers that, like, we are not supposed to be rooting (laughs) for that. And we are supposed to fully understand that, like, As human beings, like, we go into these situations and do these things and participate. And, you know, we're doing it watching the show, I guess. But it's like, um, I don't know. I feel like it's slightly more self-aware than certain other shows that use rape as a plot device. Yeah. Well, it makes it
3: pretty hard as a human being to root for human
0: beings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think this show has a super, uh... A negative negative and pessimistic view of humanity which I'm okay with that I
1: mean the whole last episode is just talking about how simple humans are and how it was sort of like the big secret about human beings is like we're actually really predictable yeah and like easy to replicate in the
3: end and it can be broken down into like like a thousand lines of code or something like the choices that humans actually make yeah
0: I also, I I saw some articles that was about the show, and it was like, Westworld implies that human beings are the most simplistic creatures in the world, and then also expects us to be able to follow this plot line. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a good one. That is a good Um, one. Okay, so what about Dolores. What do we think about Dolores? I didn't care
2: about her this
1: season. So Dolores, yeah. And tough. Dolores is someone I cared a lot about the first season. Me too. Um, This season I ended up caring more about Teddy than Dolores, which I did not see coming in the first season. Because I did not care about Teddy in the first season.
2: Teddy. The sweet Teddy. I don't care about Teddy Teddy ever. Mary. (sighs) I know, I'm sorry. You have no heart. Emily just physically moved farther away from me on the bed. (laughs)
1: We can't have sexy time anymore, I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> Not if you don't love Teddy. What's wrong with Teddy? I think I might just have something against James, James Marston, to be honest. But
0: James Marsden is a little angel. Yeah.
3: Little. He has never done wrong. He's a very
0: little angel. Very little. <laughs> little
3: he baby. Sh- very short.
1: But yeah, anyway. Back back to Delores, Which is fine.
3: I kind of dig it.
1: I mean, she kind of just went, um... I guess, you know, like, similarly to how we're saying, like, we can't really identify with human beings if all they want to do is rape people. It's it becomes hard to identify with Dolores when it seems like she just wants to destroy anything that gets in her way. Right. Like robot or human being like anything that doesn't agree exactly with what she wants to do is is a a problem that she just needs to destroy. And that's really hard to identify with as well.
3: And yet I still love her I <laughs> the most. You know, I
0: agreed agree with that assessment. And I was, like, having a hard time with her at the beginning. But I felt like as the season went on, it started to engage a little bit more with the idea that she was being too hard-headed and, like, you know, go- going into the direction that is, like, basically what she hates about humans. She's, like, becoming yeah. – this like spiteful vengeful person. And I think like the moment with Teddy when he decides to kill himself because he doesn't want to be involved in her games anymore basically is is really kind of heartbreaking and like when her response to it is like you see the the person that we like remember her being before mm-hmm. for a minute, you know. Yeah. And also in those scenes where she's with her dad you see yeah. that person from before come back, and I, th- I thought it was so like interesting, and I thought like Evan Rachel Wood is just like fucking killing it. Like yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> she's no, so she she is good. for sure. Like she's such a good actor. She's a good actress, and so, and so is her. Fanny Newton. Like yeah. The women on this show are fucking killing it. I,
1: I am curious to see what happens with her character, though, in the next season. Because I would agree, like, that scene with Teddy was great. Um, I mean, not great because Teddy died or whatever. But, like, it was great the way yeah. that she reacted to that. And we see that humanity again. But then, like, the very last scene at the end, it seemed like she was kind of just back to her, like, I'm going to destroy everything that stands in my way. Stance. So yeah. I'm curious to see how how she is in the third season.
3: Uh, She's my favorite character. And I think like a lot of this is like credit to Evan Rachel Wood that I, even when she's, you know, on this total war path, there are these moments where it's like you, I felt like I wasn't sure if she was still Dolores on some level, if she was like fully this like Wyatt character, or if she had sort of become a third thing on her own like she had become her own personality like a mix of those two or something and i mean maybe that's just because she's so fucking good at this but i thought even in those moments where she was just like destroying everything there was still i was still questioning like what's in there uh yeah. and also teddy had to die eventually because he is too pure for this world oh That's <laughs>
0: he's so he pure. was i'm surprised even he didn't when she die made last year. he was st- still pure <laughs> She was like, you're evil now. You kill things. And he was like, but I don't want to. He's like, no, I'll
3: kill myself. (laughs) Which
0: is, that is the most interesting
3: thing that happens with him, too, is like,
0: because he
3: should want to based on the, like, change in his programming, but he has this, like, conscience (laughs) that Mm -hmm. is, doesn't belong there somehow. So that is interesting, I think, about him, but... Yeah, Yeah. he had to die, though, for
0: sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, in that, like, he, as he says in his final speech, like, she is his cornerstone. Mm -hmm. And, like, everything that he is has to do with her. and, And knowing that she went and betrayed him by changing him fundamentally, he's like, I can't live with that. Because you, like, broke my heart in a way that is, like worse than any other thing because i literally am my whole personality is born of my love for you Aww.
3: the fact <laughs> that his heart even can break is interesting yeah. though like yeah it should just theoretically if she reprograms him he should just become that thing yeah yeah but the robot, the robots are are run amok y'all <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. butts everywhere Buts.
3: robots
1: everywhere
0: <laughs> um okay so is uh is there anything else you guys want to talk about here uh, i know a- emily had some stuff she wanted to say about radiohead oh
1: yeah I, I mean like i really loved the radiohead song that it ended on and i looked at the lyrics and i was a little bit upset that the lyrics seemed like so spot on what happened no, I like, You were I'm upset looking. because they were spot on? Yeah. Well, let me... Hold on. I'll just... <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, the Radiohead song at the end of the season two finale, it's called Codex. And um, it's a really beautiful song. And, like, I loved it at the end... Well, Radiohead's my favorite band. And I loved it at the end of Westworld because, like, it just made me feel sad. Like, it's a sad song. It just, like, it sounds like what sadness is, you know? Which (laughs) is why Radiohead's so great. Um, But when I I was reading the lyrics, I felt like some of it was, like, a little bit too on the nose. I don't know if that's just dumb. But, like, so here are some of the lyrics. Sleight of hand, jump off the end into a clear lake. No one around, just dragonflies fantasize. No one gets hurt. You've done nothing wrong slide your hand, jump off the end, the water's clear and innocent, the water's clear and innocent.
0: And I was like... That's not too obvious, I don't think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean?
1: Like, jump off
3: the end? I could do a whole study on just this just the music like just the oh
1: yeah I would, I would like to say
2: like music the, the music that me. they pick in westworld is like spot on great the music is my mm-hmm. favorite part of westworld to the point that like i frequently listen to it when i'm writing or doing work because it's just such good music i mean like um for those of you who haven't heard which why haven't you um The soundtrack's definitely worth a listen, even if you don't want to watch the show, because it's a lot of cool, old-timey piano covers of pop songs, essentially.
1: Yeah. And I I think the composer loves
2: Radiohead.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's smart, because Radiohead is great. Yeah.
2: The end. Yeah, but the music's really good. Um... Lots of cool instrumental covers in different styles, and like this season, since there were other worlds, um, you know, there was like a Shogun World version of Paint It Black, and yeah, I don't know. I just think the music adds a lot to the atmosphere of the show because the people going into the parks would obviously know these songs, mm-hmm. but they're hearing them in a different way, yeah, to fit the parks.
3: Well, and that also makes you think about time and how time is working, too. Because, like, it say that's a present-day song and you go in, but you're in this, like, old Western-y time thing. But there's a present-day song playing, but in an old-timey way. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying (laughs) Yeah. Other than, like, it's more fucking with time. Time is cattywampus, and Mm -hmm. the music also is. But in a good way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that make any sense? Yes. Yeah.
0: If, if not, just cut it out. Five
3: out of five for the music in Westworld. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, anything else, guys? No. Huh? Well, if anyone has comments or questions for us that we may or may not be able to answer, or.
2: Or can you explain it to I us? I explained it!
1: That's fine.
0: What is time? Well, that's dumb. <sighs> Let that us know anyone. what time Let, let is. me
1: explain that to you. That was just
0: dumb. Just, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Just send us an email. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can hear Kelly's spirit breaking.
0: <laughs> uh, so we have some listener feedback, listener from, feedback. from our last other-sode, which was, uh... On Solo, the Han Solo movie. The Donald Glover yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, So, who wants to read these? I've read a lot, so I'm not going to do it. Okay, so I'll start. Saeed from Yellowstone.
1: Hey, what's up, Saeed? Saeed,
0: this is about Solo. He said,
1: I fucking loved it. Legit made uh-huh. my young heart happy. Like, you gave us a movie about how Han and Chewie met, and the Kessel Run, and Lando Calrissian, and a sweet-ass Darth Maul cameo. I was just all about it. It's funny how you see. What? Oh, it's funny how you see now why Han was so hesitant to take orders and whatnot from Leia and kind of didn't respect her authority or really or really. Oh, I see. Or really butt into her because he'd be shaft. He I think that's supposed to be he'd been shafted before. Don't really enjoy the fact that Chewie once ate a bunch of folks like that kind of <laughs> breaks my heart a little. <laughs> Agreed. I also don't like the fact that Chewie ate people, but you know, people gotta do what they gotta do. Also, Chewie also eats porgs, we know. Mm. Which is sad. You know, everyone's I got mean, their flaws.
0: I'd probably eat pork. But
1: yeah, I also like <gasps> Kelly! It.
0: What? Nothing.
1: What? You can't eat porks. What did Kelly say she wanted to eat porks?
3: Yeah.
0: I didn't say anything. Kelly. Kelly.
3: Tell us, Ben wrote us. <laughs> wait, wait, Ben from Ask a
0: Man. Yeah, Ben of, ben Ask, a of Man Ask a Man fame. fame. He's famous and has been on an episode. Yeah, that too. Once.
1: Ben from our It episode.
0: Ben from the It episode.
2: I will read Ben. Hey, squad! I loved your takes on Solo, so I thought I'd share a few of my own to add to the pile. We are in total agreement about the performances. They were certainly the strength of the film. The plot, meh. It was what it said it was. I never wanted to learn how Han Solo became Han Solo because, well, we don't need to. The framework was already there via the original trilogy. The characters' histories are implicated by their actions and interactions so that we don't need any sort of prequel to understand their motivations. This is called Storytelling. <laughs> However, that being said, <laughs> salty there, Ben. Okay. <laughs> that being said, I was glad to see such a honed in focus on a few characters. And I hope that no matter the box office results, Disney learns from that and avoids character flooding in the in future movies. Like Lando, a Star Wars story, perhaps, please. Lando! May they also learn that it is time to stop dabbling in past material and stick to the future. Stories whose implications aren't moot. I hear tell there's a Boba Fett film on the horizon as well, and I definitely want them to go to the future, the future route there as well. Are there any other stories you all would like to see that need telling? Thanks again for the great commentary and snappy humor.
4: P.S.
2: <laughs> really, Mary? Mary? You can't recognize Fassbender in a crowd for shame. Yeah, that is shameful. Look, I'm not. I'm not happy <laughs>
1: about that. Well, you knew I wouldn't be. I know. I stand by what I said. All Bettany and Michael <laughs> Fassbender
2: look similar.
1: Oh my gosh! No, that's not true. Anyway. <laughs> Um any other stories <laughs> that I would like to see that need telling? I would like for them to have Billy D Williams come
2: back. Yeah. For a future movie. Oh yeah. That's I would like to would know, know like. lots more about Lando, which we already said that mm-hmm. at length. I also Just Donald Glover and Billy D Williams in a movie together, like yes,
1: Lando Tarantino, young
2: Lando together. I adventure. Also um <laughs> Earlier today, we were talking about Rose from the um the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and I really like the character of Rose, and would love to know more about her and like how her and Finn's adventure keeps going. I'm really interested in the main the main Star Wars movies and what they're doing with those because I do think those are new stories that mm-hmm. are getting told and I'm excited to see those new stories I'm
1: well sad there's only one more of those because I've really fallen in love with those characters me too Um, so that's kind of sad for me
2: I know some people are like
1: real down on it but those people are dumb FYI
0: but those people. there are
2: some dudes on the internet and i like I don't know how I know they're dudes but I feel like they are <laughs> who have said that they want to remake the last jedi because it was so horrible and somehow they have the money to do it and they just need actors and a director and ryan johnson the director of the last jedi tweeted please please do it (laughs)
1: please i hope it ends up being like the room uh but in space
0: It's so – it will be truly so bad. I can't believe we're even still talking about that. I, like, hope it happens because of how bad it will be.
3: How is this still happening? And
0: there's also a really funny Twitter exchange between the person who is responsible for creating this campaign and Seth Rogen. (laughs) 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 With just, like, like, Seth Rogen responding and asking, like, very logistical questions. He's like, wait. I don't understand, like, so where are you getting the money for this exactly? <laughs> like, and the person is just, like, responding and just sounds so delusional. It's, like,
2: <sighs> I also, like, can we get Tommy Wiseau to direct it? I need a director. <laughs> Please, and he's probably available. Can we get him to
3: star in it and
1: produce you it end also? Up being, like, a four-parter um, if Tommy Wiseau directs it.
3: Okay, we've got another solo feedback. Okay. This is a little bit long, but it's good. This is Bill from Birmingham, Alabama. When I was around 10, my best friend's mom took us to see The Empire Strikes Back, but it was sold out, so we had to settle for Indiana Jones, which was amazing. I've always loved Harrison Ford ever since, and especially Han Solo. As a child, I was always Han when we played Star Wars because my friend had blonde hair and liked to be Luke. I didn't mind. Good for you, because Luke's... Luke was blind. The first far. thing I noticed about the movie was the lack of the traditional title sequence. The graphics appear to be inspired by me the too. original toy package design. Uh, you graphic designer Kelly, uh, using the rounded rectangle shape. It was surprising and refreshing to see something new, but I wasn't totally impressed. They could do better. I hope they keep exploring titles and opening sequences in the upcoming movies. The story started out fairly dark and gritty. I like how they are developing the Star Wars universe, giving it more depth. It's nice to see what life is like in the Empire and get a more realistic sense of despair and oppression. It felt more inspired by recent dystopian stories like The Hunger Games or older ones like Blade Runner. The initial scene is interesting in the way they use the blue lighting, almost black and white, that is interrupted when Han throws the thermal detonator and breaks the... Sorry breaks the window. It is a nice technique that seems to continue through the movie as Han comes out of his Karelian youth and matures. Good observation. All of the insider jokes were great fun. Serious Star Wars fans, I'm sure, love them. Personally, I was more interested in storytelling. I was totally expecting a huge-ass monster to come out when Han was thrown in the pit. I was thinking, what the hell is he going to do? He's not Luke Skywalker. Then I realized it was Chewbacca. That was fun. It's hilarious to think of Han being fed <laughs> to a Wookiee. <laughs> I walked out of the theater with a smile. It was a good story and a fun movie to watch. I had no expectations and had not read anything about the movie or even watched a trailer, and I was not let down. P.S. I think you mentioned in your podcast The Time Traveler's Wife. We yes. did. Yes. did. I am listening to that now. It's great. It's, and I'm on a hold list to borrow yes. I'll Be Gone in the Dark. That is a popular book.
1: Yes. Uh, it, it sure is a popular book. And And Time Traveler's Wife is awesome. Do not read her second book, though. Yeah,
3: Please do not. Okay. It, wasn't that bad. it <laughs> uh, was
1: really bad, Bill.
3: They say do not read this. Um, <laughs> it was really bad. He also read Station Eleven along with <sighs> us. Bill is uh, cool. one of our newest listeners, and he's like been following along, and he loves Station Eleven. Also, we've had some good talks about awesome. this, and I actually oh, so saw know? Solo with him, so we we oh. talked about this a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well.
0: thanks for writing us, Bill, and thanks, thanks for to everybody for
1: writing in about Solo. That was awesome to talk about Solo again.
0: Yeah. Um, we also have a little bit of feedback for a blog post that we did on hereditary, which we promised last episode spooky, spooky. Scary. Um, spooky scary.
1: maybe I should just we should just say like if you haven't seen hereditary yet, probably don't want to listen to this part of the podcast. yeah, skip
0: over the next um I will insert my voice here and tell you how far to. skip. How's that
2: sound? <laughs> I also I skip over the next ten minutes. I also would like to note, <laughs> as Emily and I are at a conference right now in Texas, our um, horror movie buddy is here our with us. Proclaimed rock, Yeah. the third member of horror movie club because three makes a club. Three makes a Jen, club is here with us. Yay! Jen, come over and say hi.
0: She's up from Shout her nap. She was napping earlier. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hey Jen. hey, Jen! That was Jen! Jen is my fellow Hufflepuff. Wait, yes. Jen, do you want
1: to say very Shout quickly, do you have Hufflepuff any feedback stuff, okay. about Hereditary you want to bring up? Because we can respond to it.
4: Jen is also a great karaoke. First of all, y'all, Hereditary. article is great. Um, second of all, I'm going to say something controversial that has nothing to do with Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Fassbender and that other guy do look alike. forgot his name. <laughs> they look alike. But anyway. <laughs> but um, <gasps> I loved it, too. Hereditary. And I am not easily scared by horror movies, but – and it didn't quite scare me, but it did shock me, which is very awesome. But yeah. But it was a great movie, and everyone should see it. Yes. Thank you, Jen. Also, fun Thank fact you, Jen. about Jen. Jen used to stand
1: in anthills on purpose. I did.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what? Because <laughs> yeah, – That exciting. is a really – Because – Okay. Jen
2: okay. – <laughs>
4: Okay, so when I was a young child, um, my sister was allergic to ants. (laughs) So so she would get these warm compresses around her leg, um, and they would be wrapped in tinfoil. So therefore she looked like a robot. A robot! A robot. And I wanted to be a robot too. So So I would stand in ant piles and try to get warm compresses, but I was not allergic to ants, so it didn't work. So also, I identified with the weird little girl in Hereditary because I was a weird little girl,
0: <laughs> Well, that's better than what I thought you were going to say, which I thought you were going to be like, I just liked the pain no. that I would feel when ants bit me.
3: <laughs> Let me, as someone who is allergic, like, it's not that fun, and you do not feel like a robot, you just have to go to the doctor and get shots and stuff, it sucks. <laughs>
2: I will say though, like,
3: Jen was a total champ
2: during hereditary. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: because we were both like clasping on her for dear life. Like, what is happening to me? Anyway, so you've been given a lot of fair warning <laughs> that hereditary stuff coming up. So if you're still listening now, it's on you,
0: okay? Yeah. This is um, All Kelly, you want to read now. this first one? This is from Ken Turner from Marietta, Georgia, who happens to be my middle school English teacher. Aww. Hi, Mr. Turner. I can't ever not call him Mr. Turner, because that would be weird. He says. Regarding the beheadings in Hereditary, when Annie is looking through the book that refers to Paimon, Paimon? Payman? Payman. 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 There's an image of him holding three heads by the hair. So very basic explanation is that the possession ritual required three heads. The fact that the three heads are three generations of women from the same family must have been important. Um, or given the ritual more power.
1: That makes so much sense. It does. (laughs) I know. Now I know why you are a teacher.
3: When I saw that message today, I was like, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it does.
1: We're so dumb.
3: Well, I I needed it to, I feel like maybe I needed it to linger on that, um, that, that picture more. But that just made me think even more about the whole, um. Inevitability situation yeah. because like one of those beheadings was completely accidental. So that's or even was crazier. It ah okay. Thanks, Ken. But it, it was- wasn't
0: accidental because the telephone pole had the sign of the devil yeah. on it or whatever.
3: Right, but you know what I mean by accident. I mean yeah. like not Annie chopping her own head pole. off. Yeah. yeah. Or, or someone digging up a body <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: So, like Mary we are so ready for you to start this podcast that's just going to be Annihilation and Hereditary. Yeah. I'm ready. Good. <laughs>
3: okay. I think it's just um, this podcast.
1: I, ca- <laughs> I can I can read yeah. this next one. So this is Alice from Portland. You might remember Alice. She won our first giveaway when we gave away that lovely collection of Grady Hendrix stuff and scary stuff. So she, we know Ooh. she's a scary, scary movie, scary story fan. Um, and here are her thoughts about hereditary. Um, I was definitely drawn to the family trauma dynamics coming from an abusive family where no one wants to talk about it. The way everyone struggled to deal after Charlie died and no one was helping Peter when he was clearly spiraling and smoking tons of weed to coke. Brutal and accurate. Also, I've been obsessed with miniatures lately, so that was a huge bonus. I was reading more about it, and I guess they built the whole set on the sound stages so they could match the... Could match down the miniatures to the smallest detail of fabric slash wood slash texture slash dimensions. I feel like there was another part of this that didn't copy over. Hold on a second. Sorry. You know what? Facebook, for some reason, has not been loading very
0: well. Uh Uh-oh.
1: Kelly,
3: tell us about how bad Facebook is.
0: Um, Facebook is a piece of shit. (laughs) Okay? Let me just tell you guys something. Facebook is yes,
1: the tell worst us all about how Facebook sucks while I get the rest of this question up. <laughs> Facebook
0: is the worst designed app and or website of all time. Okay? It makes no sense. Okay. You have to click you have to jump through so many hoops to get to different things. It gives you all like the notification system is fucking bonkers. Like What is happening? Why am I getting notifications when someone that I knew in high school posts a photo and it says, like, this person posted a photo? I don't fucking care at all.
3: Why are you – why do I have a notification for that? They're just trying to reel you back in now with, like, anything that might entice you.
0: They're pushing me away. Don't they realize that?
1: Okay. So here's the rest of it. I found it. (laughs) Perfect, perfect amount of time spent on Facebook. I hope you leave that in there. Um, I could
0: have gone for longer. Okay, so
1: she also says I have a little insight about how the spirit of payment entered Peter. Do you all remember the weird light rays that passed through the room when, and then pulsed and went out? It happens twice. Once after the grandmother dies, while Charlie is alone in her room, Charlie watches the light and it flashes out immediately after it. She does the tongue click thing for the first time and starts acting strangely. A few hours later, the accident happens. After her death, Peter keeps hearing the tongue clicks in the air around him. Toward the end of the film, he also sees the weird light bubble slash flash. And after that starts doing the tongue click as well. I think that's how the possession occurred. And it's related maybe to cult rituals taking place elsewhere um, by grandma's creepy friends. Great discussion as always. Love you guys. And I'm obsessed with this movie now. Scariest thing I've seen since it follows. If any of you have not seen it, please go watch it now. Lots of similarities. So I'm not exactly sure how the whole like payment entering Peter works. Maybe something to do with the three heads. Um, I do feel like Charlie, we are supposed to believe that Charlie has been possessed basically for her entire life though. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we see it happen at any point. I also think we see her click her tongue during the funeral. Yeah, yes. we do. So, yeah.
0: I think that's just a weird thing that she does. Yeah. That then Peter starts doing when she yeah. is transferred. Because it's him.
1: it's Charlie slash payment that enters him. They're sort it's of like fun one and the same.
0: Please do
3: not. Stop it. No, I'm still thinking about that movie. Like, Yeah. Probably longer than I'll be thinking about Westworld. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: um, I think you know, Hereditary is one of those things that makes you think, but in a way that's not infuriating. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, I think the light is involved with with payment.
2: I just don't know how yet. Yeah. But I think that's definitely a good way to look at it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sounds- thank you for loving us. We love you, too. Yeah, I also love It Follows. Yeah, have
1: everyone here yes. has seen It Follows, right?
3: Yes. We love It
2: Follows. Okay, good. Yes. All
1: right, cool.
3: All right, guys. What else is on the blog besides that awesome hereditary post? So you got to go read the moment you see the movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the long-awaited John Green post is up.
3: <laughs> Hooray! Up. Um,
2: no joke, Todd and I have been working on this document for, like, six months. Oh my God. we just God. like the most look at it for a long time the most
1: epic blog post ever yeah um i also wrote a blog about the book riot read harder challenge which i'm participating in for the first time this year it's a challenge where they give you 24 categories that you have to read in some of them are really easy for me like read a true crime book no problem um others are a little (laughs) bit harder for me like Like read a
2: comic illustrated and written by the same author
1: no you know what that's not even the hardest i think the hardest for me okay there are two that i think are going to be really hard for me one is read a western and another one is (laughs) read a book about nature so I mean, but the, the whole point is to make you read outside of your comfort zone. And it's definitely been pushing me to read more and to pick up books that I've been meaning to read for a long time, because I'm like, oh, well, this fits in this category. Um, so I kind of talk about my experience of that and how it's going so far, because we're halfway through the year now, which means I have half a year to finish it. Um, and I think I'm on track to do that. So I'm feeling pretty good. And you talk about the books you've read. And I've talked to, I talk about the books I picked for the different categories so far. So yeah, nice list of books there.
3: Really good post. Thank you. Love it. You're
0: welcome. Speaking of really good posts, Susan. Susan. Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) Guys. um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so I have a history of kind of stumbling into reading self-help books by Greg Berend, and uh, I wrote a post about my experience with some of his books. Um, Most recently, this book called It's Just a Fucking Date, and uh, it's like the first time I've also written about like my divorce and dating and all of that shit, too. So it's like personal and it'd be cool if you read it. It's
1: good. I read it's it. It's a great post. Yes. Everybody will read it in the world.
0: It's very a great combination of review of a book and personal experience and which is the best kind of, of review it.
1: i think when you're able to sort of like connect it to something that's more important than just a fucking book speaking mm-hmm. of just a mm-hmm. fucking date yeah
3: um, because you Susan, and it's called it's just a fucking blog a post so yeah. um yeah it's yeah, very cute enjoy finally almost paradise
1: we're oh, still so going at it with YA Paradise <laughs> This Going at it. Yeah, This One Summer is a graphic novel that is not written and illustrated by the same person, unfortunately. It is written and illustrated by cousins. You're not the same person, though,
2: Mary. I can't use it for the Mariko and Jillian Tamaki. Yeah, so oh, I love Jillian Tamaki, and you know they're
1: both great. Well, what's really cool is right now Mary and I are at a children's literature conference, and there's a panel tomorrow morning about this this one one summer. summer. So we're really excited because so we're going to go to that panel and kind of like maybe depending on how good the panel is working some of the stuff we it's gonna be hear. good okay i don't know so it's gonna be good so we'll we'll kind of talk about you know things other people said about the book as well so it'll be cool it won't just be us talking to each other it'll be yeah. us like
2: talking about other people talking mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah sweet this one summer next up on the podcast we will be talking about super extra grande by yas.
3: yas
2: Yas. i would like to yas. post a picture of yas oh on our God. social media oh, because his aesthetic is bananas <laughs> he is <laughs> in a metal band <laughs> and he looks I, like he's in a metal band yes
0: i turned the book over And I was like, "Wait, (laughs) what?" And the thing is, is like in all these articles about it, I haven't even looked at him. I'm googling. Please, Susan, let's get your live reaction. (laughs) Oh, I like
2: it. (laughs) It, <laughs> in all these articles about Season him, it's like, Wood. respected <laughs> Cuban sci-fi author, Yas, and I'm like, he's wearing a mesh tank top and hot pants.
3: And he's, like, oh, sitting yeah. spread,
2: spread-legged while
3: doing this. Yes! Interesting. Yeah. Sometimes he's not wearing a shirt at all. That's different. I know. But he's got <laughs> always the studded, like, wristband things
0: on. It's a bold choice. And, like, hair metal hair. Yeah, yes.
3: Yeah. You guys, he's going through a thing. He's 49.
2: But <laughs>
3: all of beautiful. that is to say
2: he's a super <laughs> well respected and rising star in the sci-fi world and he's a Cuban sci-fi writer, which is pretty awesome because you don't hear of a lot of sci fi out of Cuba.
3: Yeah. Also, so, like if if Brett Michaels was Cuban <laughs> And also the skateboarder that you dated in high school?
1: I'm not going to act like I didn't watch every season of Rock of Love and enjoy the shit out of it. So, yes, Brett Michaels. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, uh, I loved Rock of Love. Don't get me wrong. Of Love but yeah, if awesome. Brett Michaels was Cuban and also was like a skateboarder that you dated in high school, it would be this guy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Super Extra Grande by Yoss, the metal band author. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, And then our next other soad is going to be something that I forgot. That it was going to be, but now I know. It's Sorry to Bother You. Yay. Sorry to Bother You. Sorry to Bother You. Um, I'm really excited. And, yeah, so everyone should go see that and then listen to us talk about it because it's going to be a great movie. I'm really mad because I was going to try to go to, like, the – they were doing, like, a, a, an early screening of it at a film festival thing here. And I thought I was gonna be able to get tickets, but no, they sold out like right away. Well
3: now you know
1: so. what it's like to live in the rest of the world, Kelly.
0: Kelly we have the to thing wait, you wait just for said things.
3: Would never happen in Birmingham or Hattiesburg.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Nice. I live in Brooklyn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're just keeping this Tessa Thompson train going and doing sorry to bother you because from now on this is oh, yeah. Tessa Thompson squaggles.
0: And yeah, also my boyfriend, LaKeith Stanfield. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, my God. For a second, I was like, wait, you have a boyfriend?
0: Mm, his name is LaKeith Stanfield. Yes. yes. Yeah, mine's
3: Jimmy Simpson. But, yeah, cool.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> weird still.
3: Sorry, Susan. It's not that weird, you guys. He it's has really it. not that weird.
1: I,
2: I
3: get moments. it. He has I moments. I get
1: it. I do not.
3: I like a little bit of a unique flair.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I see Ryan. that. I
3: see that.
0: What is that supposed to mean, bitch?
3: <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, I'm agreeing with
0: you. Okay, guys. Um, if you have comments or questions about anything that we have discussed today, please send us an email. Our email address is squad at booksquadgoals.com. We are doing a thing where if you have comments about books, we're going to read those on the book podcast. And if you have comments about other-sodes and or blog posts. We're going to read them on our other-sode episodes Mm -hmm. because we know that some people like to switch back and forth. So uh, just keep in mind that if you wrote to us and we're not reading it right now, it's probably because we're going to read it on the next episode. So keep Um, writing to us. We love it. And please follow us on social media. We're at Goals on Facebook. Unfortunately, we have a Facebook, and I sometimes have to post on it. And... (laughs) Okay, you barely have to post on the
3: Kelly, We're the also at, at Books on Squad Goals on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And we have a website, as you know, which is BookSquadGoals.com.
3: That's where you can find our blog posts, which you can also write to us about as these hereditary people did today. So that's great. Thank, thank you that. for
0: that. Also, please subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if possible, because that's where... All of the other podcast places draw their podcasts in from, so that's the most important one for us to get ratings on.
2: Algorithms. If you know what I mean.
0: Fidelity. Algorithms, Mm -hmm. Mm y'all.
3: Robots. It's just nice, you know. It's nice to do for someone.
0: Yeah, just think about it. Just do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. From Brooklyn, Mississippi. No. Texas. We're in San Antonio. The Alamo. From the Alamo. In Alabama. This has been Book Squad Goals. Y'all. Y'all.
1: Y'all.